Welcome to Cozy Content Corner. I am your host, Sarah Weiss of On Brand by Sarah. And if you like realistic conversation about social media, video marketing, personal branding, and everything in between, you have landed in the right place, my friend. We do not hold any ish back over here. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cozy Content Corner, or welcome if this is your first time hanging out in the corner with us. So today we have one of my absolute online biz besties, Elaine Jardin. So a little bit about Elaine before we start. Elaine is a former teacher turned email marketing strategist and website copywriter who helps you clarify your message so more website visitors become email subscribers and more subscribers become paying clients. Many business owners struggle to explain what they do simply and in a way that connects with their ideal clients and Elaine helps you ditch that struggle. So Elaine, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm so excited. I am so excited too. And y'all, we're going to get into so much juicy copywriting teeth. But Elaine and I have like been true biz besties on the internet street for a hot minute. Um, yes. And we met on TikTok, right? We did. We met on TikTok. In fact, is it okay if I tell the story of how we met? Absolutely. Um, I was I don't know if I around remember. on Sarah's link in bio mm, and I noticed okay, I remember. she had a Dubsado form that something was going on with the form. I forget what. And I was I like, remember. I messaged her and I was like, not, not to be a creep, but I noticed this and I wanted you to know, cause I would want somebody to tell me. And you know, it's always a little like, when you reach out to somebody like that, but you were like, Oh, thank you. I had no idea. So. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Now I, re- okay. I'm so glad that you said that now I remember. Yeah. So it was like, it was my lead capture form. And if you use Dubsado or HoneyBook or anywhere where you can like drag and drop questions, there's like that generic question. Like how many people do you expect at the party? Yes. Yes. <laughs> And I guess I had dragged and dropped one too many of those. Um, and oh my gosh, I'm always the person. Like, if I have a broken link, tell me. If I have a question about a party and we're not having a party, tell me. Like, I am so grateful for that. And so I was like, all right, well, we need to be friends. And yes. I think the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's how, at least when I met you, that's how you started out, right? So mm-hmm. after teaching, tell us how how we morphed into our own business. Like, what were we doing? Yeah. Okay. So the year is 2020. I had a newborn at home and they sent us home, which honestly worked out in my maternity leave, I guess. Um, Absolutely. But, um, you know, they sent us home. And I very quickly realized that I don't want to teach online, nor do most students care to learn virtually. Some do, but like the struggle was very real. So I was like, well, I want to figure out something else. So I started binging like how to start your own business podcast, because like, I don't know if you can relate to this, Sarah, from like the speech path side, but like, there's this big misconception that all teachers can do is teach, or at least like, that's what we think of ourselves as teachers, right? Cause it's like such an identity. You know, you're like, I am a teacher. Therefore oh, I teach. <laughs> being a speech therapist was my entire identity. Yes, completely. 
Right. And so then I was like, well, I don't know, like, do I have any skills? Like trust and believe if you can teach teenagers, like you have skills. Um, but anyway, I was like, all right, listening to these podcasts about starting your own business. And there were all these ads for this software called Dubsado. I'd never heard of it before. So then I went to the source of all truth, Facebook and saw people were like paying people to figure out Dubsado for them. And I was like, oh, I bet I can do that. So I watched every tutorial and webinar Dubsado had ever done. And I was like, all right, this is what I do now. So that's how I like got started. And I did only Dubsado for about a year, year and a half. And yeah, that's how it's Okay. I want to touch on two things. If you're open to talking about it, Matthew Mines. I want to talk about Matthew Mines. Um, But then the other thing is, is... I totally started my business the same way. Like I did not invest in any fancy course. I didn't even Mm -hmm. know that there were course fancy courses to be invested in. I binged podcasts and YouTube videos. Yep. Like completely free materials. I never made an investment in my business, like a big investment, like a course or a program until like maybe a year a little less than a year but almost a year in like mm-hmm. I really was like I'm gonna figure this out on my own and like I I binged all the podcasts and all the YouTube videos and like reached out to like all the guests from the podcast that were like in the therapy and education space and just would see if they would talk to me and so yeah this is just a little reminder for anyone listening that like you you can start without investing and in, a, a coach or a course or something of the sorts. You know, what's funny is I had invested in a start your online business course back in 2017. That was like $300 okay. and I got into it and I was like, this isn't for me. Like, and this is not for me. And I had kind of forgotten about it until like somehow I'm still on that person's email list and happened to get tagged on an email that came out like a month ago. And I was like, oh yeah, but like, I wasn't in the place for it, honestly um, back then. And I knew I didn't want to be a, like a general VA because that was just like, it felt overwhelming to me to have to know how to do like everything. So getting specific on one thing helps me really cut out a lot of distraction. Yes. Yeah. Same. I never wanted to be a general VA. I started out doing social media management and like, that's what I called myself as a social media manager. Um, I like did not want to do general VA stuff. Okay. Let's talk about Matthew Mines. Yes. So, okay. so for people that don't know, can you like ex- explain what it was or is? Yes. So was, yeah, right? Was. was. Okay. Mm-hmm. What it was and your experience with TikTok. Yeah. Sure. Pertaining to Matthew Mines. Yeah. Okay. So I used to teach math and What I really found in teaching math is that many kids came into my class already defeated. They're like, I'm already not going to get this. I'm like, we literally just met, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I've never gotten math. Like I, I can't, I can't even do it. And, um, not to like get too nerdy out into it, but like the way I see math is teaching people how to recognize patterns and then apply that pattern to something new. And people are hardwired to start recognizing patterns from the time they're teeny tiny. Like, I don't know if you remember that 
I don't know if it was like a GIF or a meme or whatever, but there was like a big phase going on with like giving young children slices of lemon and they would bite yes. into the lemon and be like, Ugh. but then yes. the second time they wouldn't bite it. Right. Cause they'd already figured out the lemon pattern, right? Like boom, boom, lemon, sour, sour, ooh, not going to do it again. Um, so even from the, and that's like kind of the premise I built Matthew minds on was like, Hey, a lot of the people, a lot of the students I taught who struggled in algebra one, really, it was like these really basic math skills that they thought they didn't have, which brought out like so much controversy because when people hear basic math, they thought I was saying some people, not my people thought I was saying like, Hey, you need to be doing flashcards with your three-year-old. I would never advocate that. I was like, no, when we're talking to a three-year-old, we're noticing patterns. We're pointing out similarities and differences. We're comparing things. We're testing things out and just like being curious people. That's math. That's math. Like computation, calculation, all that is just that stuff built upon, built upon, built upon. So I was like, hey, parents, caregivers, whoever has like these two to five-year-olds in your life, here are activities you can do with them to like spark these conversations about math with your kids. So I had a, a viral TikTok, my very first ever one was one where I was saying exactly that, where I was like, you know, basically it like just dawned on me that all these people struggle with algebra, really like they didn't have these basic ways of seeing the world. Here's some stuff you can do. And people really, really um, latched onto that and it took off. Oh, I love hearing you talk about it. And every time you talk about it, I'm like, we need to bring Matthew Minds back. I know. When my I, kids literally every older, time you talk about it, I'm like, back. oh my God. Like this yeah. is just so, I'll bother you about it another time. No, no please so do. Good. I'm just glad you remember Matthew Minds. Cause like, it oh was my so, God, of course. It was so fun. Um, And then it got creepy. And I think when my kids are a little bit bigger and they're not in that age range anymore, then I can bring it back um, with less um, intent curiosity on information mm. about my own children. It was getting to be yeah. like, people trying to figure out where they go to school. And like, it was just getting to be, um, a lot. And like, it's not their business. It's mine. Like it's right. their being my children. It's not my children's business. Like it's mine. And I don't want that to ever compromise their experience. So. Yeah. And I feel like too, like I resonate with your story with Matthew minds because, I think it was, it, it was like your bridging point into what you're doing now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you were still taking what you were doing at your full-time job, but making it your own. And it let you, it let you start playing with content and seeing what hit with your audience and then using what hit with your audience to make more content and probably mm -hmm. to make your products. And I really resonate with that because when I first started out as a social media manager, I was only working with teachers, paid teacher sellers. Mm. And even more than that, like 90% of my clients were speech therapists. I had, I think one, Matt, I can't remember. We did not work together for very long. She was not ready to give up her social media, but I think she was a math teacher. But anyway, it was all people in the education space because that's where I felt safe. Same. Mm -hmm. And um, then once I like got my footing and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm great at this. I'm not to toot my own horn, but like toot toot, you become very confident in like, oh, I can help people beyond what, beyond the speech therapy niche, yes. beyond the math niche, which like, 
I, I think is probably what happened with you. Can you tell us that experience kind of putting Matthew minds to the side and, and going all in on the Jardin group? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think you're exactly right where it's like still kind of like playing it safe with mathy minds, right? Like I was a little out of my depth because like I taught middle and high school and here I am talking about preschoolers, but like not that far. And I also, so it was safe in two ways, right? Like it was safe because it was education and it was safe because I was like, I'm a mom telling you this, like a mom and a teacher. And like, you know, one of the big things that I have discovered or clarified in this past year is that like, really, I yes, I am a mom, but like the thing I love about having the Jardin group is that like, I just get to be me. I'm not a mom, like, okay. Yeah. Like I am a mom, but like, this is my own thing, like entirely separate from like what I do, you know, after school and all of that. Um, but the thing I've always been good at is taking things that are very complex and breaking them down into super simple, achievable explanations and steps, right? So like that, that's what we were doing with Matthew Minds. That's what I, I was doing in the algebra classroom. And surprisingly for copywriting, like that's what I still do for clients. I work yeah. with a lot of people who are super smart and or super niche. And so they have all this expertise, but then when they try to tell somebody else about it, it's just like too much, right? It's like the word vomit and all the details and the rabbit trails and like, we don't need it. So we can take all that and digest it into like the core of what it is, but then allows you to connect with other people. So once I like moved into email marketing and website copy, I was like, like, oh, I am actually doing the same thing just in a different medium, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And just like touching on kind of like a mind, one more mindset shift that I think we both went through is, is that shedding of the fact that like education or our career in general needs to be our whole personality like I I mean I'm very open about this but like I go to therapy now I've gone to therapy for years and years and years and that used to be something that my therapist would ask me about it's like what are your hobbies who are you outside of speech who Mm -hmm. are you outside of the school and I like could not I couldn't tell her Yeah. And I couldn't, like, I had a hard time telling myself. And I think that, like, as entrepreneurs, we are kind of pushed into doing more personal development and more mindset work than we ever have before. But, But it's so true is that it's like, it doesn't need to be your whole identity. You can absolutely, like, be be still with the fact that like I'm really good at this and I'm changing the lives of lots of business owners but at the end of the day it's not who you are to your core yes okay so I wrote a blog post I don't know earlier this year that was like apparently I have nothing to talk about like (laughs) right with anytime you work with the public in whatever form you have so much to discuss because so many people can relate to it right? I always had a story from school to share. And now like, I love my parents and they love me, but they are really not that interested in hearing about what I'm doing and not in a bad way. And that to me at first was like, ah, like 
you know, people are not like asking me enough about my business. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it's like just it's a much work is a much smaller part of me than it once was. And at first that was like very scary. And now I'm like, thank goodness, because there's so much stuff I love to do that I did not do for like the, you know, almost 15 years I was in the schools because I was literally exhausted all the time or thinking about school, thinking about students at school and like how I didn't do enough or what could I do differently? Like it was just all consuming. Um, you know, and I know we've talked about September Elaine when my kids went to school full time and it's like still so freeing to be like my very favorite podcast is normal gossip. The new season of normal gossip dropped last Wednesday. So like I cleared my morning so I could go for a walk and just listen to my podcast because like, that's what made me feel good, you know? And I didn't, it was just so nice to be like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. doesn't mean I'm shirking responsibility or anything, but like, I don't have to grind all the time. It's okay to enjoy things. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I resonate with that so much. And I'm sure so many of the listeners are going to resonate with that because I like, I remember going to like weddings or like just like big events where you're with a bunch of acquaintances and I used to be embarrassed to say like oh well I was a speech therapist and then I left and I started my own business because I thought that like being a speech language pathologist was the most prestigious thing in the world and so sometimes I would just resort to saying like oh yeah I'm a I'm a speech pathologist and leave it at that But now I have become comfortable with saying like, yeah, I work in social media and marketing and I help business owners on TikTok and people are actually like, what? That is so cool. Like, I didn't even know that was a job. Like, tell me, like, tell me about it. I'm on TikTok all the time. But in my head, I was like, oh, well, people are going to think less of me. They're going to be like, why did you leave your master's level job? Like, you're a failure. But like, that is so not the case. And seriously, people do not care as much about you as you do. (laughs) No. And I feel like we're so much more interesting now that we can talk about things that aren't just work. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. A hundred percent. All right. So let's move a little into like copywriting and (laughs) content and email. All right. Yeah. So I found Elaine from one specific video and it was the perfect example of a video that called your audience out with love because I was like I literally felt like the mean girls quote like raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by Regina George (laughs) (laughs) raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by Elaine Jordan with love so it was a video about our I help statements and as entrepreneurs I'm sure we've all tried many variations of I help female entrepreneurs with blah, 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 blah. And the video was about ditching your boring I help statement and making it unique and making it something that people have not heard a bajillion times. So can you talk to us a little bit about like what prompted you to make that original video in the first place, like the first time you made it? And then talk to us a little bit about how you help business owners craft their intro statements. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So here's my issue with I help. Okay. Usually those statements are so long and so vague. I help heart-driven female entrepreneurs who want to make 
more than $10,000 a month and reach their unattainable goals by my least <laughs> favorite phrase, reducing yeah. overwhelm. What is, what is that? What is reducing overwhelm? Like, excuse you, what? So what I would much rather hear is an intro statement that follows a very simple formula. What? So what? Now what? What do you do? Why does it matter? And what can your clients do after they work with you? You know, so you might say like, I am a video content strategist who helps you get consistent on social. So you are continually bringing in new leads. I don't know. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. No, but like, what, so what, now what? Because at the end of the day, we are all in, most interested in ourselves. And so it needs to be a statement that puts the other person in as the hero. They want to know what's in it for them. They don't really care what you're doing, except for how it applies to them. And that's where most I help statements get it wrong. There's nothing clear about what's in it for the other person. And so people like check out and they're just like, okay, I don't know what makes you different than like the 20 other people I talked to today. So that's why I made the video. I was feeling very annoyed because I had seen a reduced overwhelm one. The other thing that drives me nuts while we're on things that are annoying is um, sometimes, you know, people will post like, what could you talk about for an hour with no preparation, which is a way of asking like, what's your expertise? But I'm like, yeah. I would never speak to your audience for an hour without preparation because I value them more than that. I want to know what is it that you're interested in? What are you struggling with? How can I help you get to the next like level? I want, if somebody's going to let me borrow their audience, like I want to show up and deliver something that's going to be helpful, not just talk for an hour. Anyway, so that is my I hope statement rant. And so I help clients do that. Um, at the beginning of every project, we do a big brand messaging work. And in that we craft those intro statements. So then you can use them, you know, when you're talking to people, you can use them in your email signature on your website, wherever. Yes. Okay. Really quickly. You guys, we're, we're friends in real life. So we're going to get off on tangents and just enjoy. <laughs> yes. I have seen in private Facebook groups, those prompts, what could you talk about an hour with no preparation? And they probably think they're being so clever, but the people that are posting it, use it as a way to start pitching you in the DMs okay. because they're probably looking because I, I fell for this at the very beginning of my journey. I was like, oh, what TikTok? And then I get all these people in my DMs like, would you take on 15 more clients and blah, blah, blah. Let me help you. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, is everything just one big pitch fest now? Like, can we not actually have a conversation? Um, but like, I, I so agree. Like if we were actually, if somebody was actually asking me that I would want to know the same thing. Why are they showing up on TikTok? Have they shown up on TikTok before? Or am I talking to people that are going to have no idea about the culture and the features and and, and how to show up on there? Uh, who are they? Are they thinking that their clients are on there? Are they thinking that it's just going to be people that are going to be buying digital products? Like, I would want to know so much more. Yeah. You should write that. The next time you see it on a private Facebook group, you should be like, well, you know what? I wouldn't want to talk about it without preparation because I would really want to make sure I'm speaking to your people in the right way. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So first of all, you would not believe the number of screenshots I get of those posts. Like so many people are like, Hey, thought you would be annoyed by this. And I'm like, I am. Um, But it goes to like the whole core of what I feel about so strongly about as a copywriter is like, I care so much about the person on the other side of the screen. Like if we are putting words on your website, words in your email, like I care about the person on the other side. It's my job to advocate for them and make sure what we're saying is relevant. It's understandable because clear communication is kind, right? Like if we're just confusing people, like that's rude. Don't do that. Like we want to be clear. Yeah. So I know that's something that I was scared about when I first started working with a copywriter that did my website like way back in the day before I even knew about my fabulous Elaine was like I have such specific lingo I'm very I have a very dry sense of humor how is somebody else going to embody that and like make it appear on the page and what do you say what do you say to people that have that fear of like how is it going to sound like me whether it's website copy or email copy or sales page copy well you mind reader um this is something I talk about um with clients a lot and I was like I need to just make this into a blog post so two things um I do want it to sound like you but more importantly I want it to sound like your ideal client And because people need to see themselves like reflected in what they're reading, right? So like, if it comes down to like, you know, a specific word and we're like, should we do this or should we do that? I'm always going to default to like, what, what would the actual client themselves say, right? For, for starters. But this, I think is something not to toot my own horn, um, but this is something that I do well as a copywriter is capturing brand voice from the owner. And A huge part of that is like some brand messaging work that we do together. But another part is like, I pay really close attention and I binge a ton of content, right? Cause like, I want to hear you and I want to hear like a mean girl's example completely lands for you. Like I want to use that. I want to use something from real housewives. Like that totally lands for you and your audience. I have a client right now who makes custom mill work. He is not going to use the Mean Girls reference. Like that's never going to land for him or his people. I'm like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts of copywriting is the challenge of like, all right, so how do we make it sound like you, but also connect with whoever it is that we're trying to attract? Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because I do the same. I have to do the same thing a lot of the time because something that I do for my clients is like I do some scripting for them. Um, and like my VIP day clients, like I, it, it's all my writing. And so yeah. I, I have to kind of embody that too. And I go full on creeper mode. Mm-hmm. And you no do it so shame. well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No shame. I go and binge like podcasts and the content that you've already made. And like, I, when we're on zoom, like I will record yourself telling your story, your own story, no matter how many times I've heard it because, and I'm sure you agree. It's like, like the person on the other side of the screen needs to feel like they're really hearing your voice. Mm-hmm. And I yes. think that that's like the best writing is when somebody could say like, oh my God, I, c- I could hear you as I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. In fact, um, 
when I had my dead Sato specialist website up, um, somebody took the copy word for word and I didn't know about oh it. Oh my God. So I did somebody, not know about this. Yeah. Somebody emailed me and was like, Hey, I was reading this person's website and like, it's you, it's your voice. <laughs> and oh I was my like, God. Oh my gosh. It is. Cause my headline at the time was go from scattered to streamlined faster than you can lose a bobby pin. So that headline was unique. A lot of people had seen it because it was on mine and then it showed up on someone else's like down every word. And um, that's like my goal for my copy, right? Is I want somebody, at least the copy I write for myself. Like I want the copy I write for you to sound like you, but the stuff for me, I want people to be like, oh, that's Elaine's voice. Like that, she wrote that. Yes. Yes. It's so important. It's so important. And I would also say just one more thing on that, that uh, brand voice doesn't have to be funny. I think sometimes people think, oh my gosh, like I have to write funny copy to like connect with people. And it's so not true. Like, I just wanted to put that out there in case anybody's worried, like, oh my gosh, but I'm not funny. You don't have to be funny or clever to get amazing copy with amazing voice. It can be very serious. It can be very academic. It can be all those things and still have voice that connects with people. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's touch on email for a little bit, because as much as I am a social media girly through and through, I think email is so important. So important. Um, Because as much as we hear this, I'm going to say it again, but we do not own our social media platforms. And so we need a place for our audience to gather. (laughs) That is not social media. Yes. And so let's start at the very beginning because I want to, I want to tailor this to, to all of my listeners. So like, what do you do if you're like, okay, I see the value, got it. How do I, how do I start an email list? How do I get people on the email list? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is the path I would recommend. This is not what I did. This is what I would recommend. Um, for anybody who's like, okay, I'm ready to get started in email marketing. Um, the first thing I'd like for you to do is go over to ConvertKit and get yourself an account. Then I want you to think about like, what is, what is it that you are wanting from your email marketing? Is it to stay top of mind? Is it to sell stuff? Is it to whatever, like figure out what it is. Cause I think where people get paralyzed with email marketing is they're like, okay, I have these email addresses. Like, what am I supposed to say to these people? Well, figure that out first. So like, typically I like to send things that are helpful to my audience. Like what's a helpful tip. That's the main thing I do on my email list. Okay, great. So then you can reach out to your former clients and say, Hey, I'm starting an email list. I'm planning on sending out a helpful tip, you know, twice a month or whatever the cadence is going to be. Would you like me to add you? And those people are by and large going to say yes, because they already know you, they know what you're about. And they're like, yeah, go ahead and add me. And I would start by just writing to those people for two months, just to Mm. get in the habit. You know who they are. So like, if I was writing to you, I'd be like, Sarah, you know, here's what Sarah needs to know about email marketing today. So I'm going to write this email as if I'm writing just to Sarah, I'm going to send it to, I don't know, maybe the 10 people I'm starting with. It doesn't have to be huge, but I'm just going to get in the habit of writing to Sarah for, you know, eight weeks. Then we can start bringing in strangers um, or people that you haven't worked with before. And you can do that by making direct invitations if you want, which is the simplest way. Or, you know, you can add on a level of sophistication and have some kind of a lead magnet, something that people get in exchange for signing up for your list. So that could be a PDF. It could be a mini course. It can be an audio thing, whatever you want. 
But, um, you know, when we get to that, that point, you need to have a way for people to sign up. And I know sometimes like the tech can be the ugh, part of all this. So like remove that from yourself. It's totally okay to make a direct invitation and be like, hey, Sarah, I send out tips about email marketing once a week. Would you like me to add you? Um, but that's, yeah, that's where I would start. Write to the people you know, and then start bringing in the people you don't. Yeah. And I didn't even think about that because that's not how I started at all. I I started the uh, old freebie way. So I created <laughs> a freebie or a lead magnet and had that direct exchange. Like, I will give you this if you give me your email. Yeah. Um, so if people are, I mean, and this can go for people that have a lead magnet and they're bored of it or they feel like it's not hitting. How do you choose a lead magnet. Mm, okay. How do you know what the right one is Yep. for you? Okay. We got to work backwards. So I assume if you have an email list, you want to sell something. And for now, I'm going to look at product people or sorry, service people, not product people. It's a little different over in product land. Okay. Mm -hmm. But let's say that you are a social media manager and you want people to buy your, like, you want new one-to-one -one clients for like your monthly social media management. Okay. So then you got to think backwards to like, what is it that they need to have or do before they're ready to take that next step? So maybe they need to do a little mini audit of their socials to just like get a baseline of where they are right now. Maybe they need to take a quiz on like which platform is best for you. Maybe they need a 30-day calendar, like get consistent. I don't know, but identify what that like very first step or the pre-work is to working with you. And that's the lead magnet. Once you've figured that out, then you can decide the format or the whatever. So I see people get stuck sometimes, you know, they're like, I want to make a mini course. And it's like, okay, why? Because if the information you're sharing is appropriate to just be a checklist, let it be a checklist. If it needs to be a five-day challenge, let it be a five-day challenge. You know, let the goal determine the delivery method. Yes. And I think that that's a mistake that I see a lot is that your freebie or your lead magnet is so incredibly disjointed from like the thing that you're trying yeah. to sell. So I love that idea of working backwards and being like, okay, before somebody lands here where they are paying me for whatever you want them to pay you for, what comes before that? What do they need to know? What would they like to learn more about? Is there something that can give them a taste of your expertise? Because, for example, let's just do use Elaine. Like, if she's trying to sell more website copywriting slots and she has a mini course on email that's her freebie, those people are not needing the same thing. So I love that idea of working backwards. Yes. Yes. And that's where I think sometimes people get frustrated with their email marketing. And that's why I'm like, start with your former clients, number one, because they're going to open, they're going to click, they're going to make you feel really good. And you're going to keep going. Um, but you're exactly right. If the lead magnet is disjointed from the offer, then you're going to be like, oh my gosh, like I can't sell any web spots with my email lead magnet. Email mm -hmm. marketing doesn't work. And it's like, you're right. It doesn't work because it's confusing. And to go back to what we said before, like confused people don't buy. Yeah. Confused people never buy. They don't know what's going on. So. And it's okay to have more than one lead magnet. And when you do, you know, you can tag people by what they were interested in. And we can get super custom and personalized, but like, don't start there. Just zoom back out. Yeah. 
So something that you're really good at when it comes to email is making sure that your subscriber subscribers have a really good subscriber experience. And as service providers, like I feel like that needs to be our top priority when we are email marketing. So what are some of the things that we can do to make sure that our subscribers are having a good experience and that maybe we're not talking to like the collective every single time we send an email? Yes. Okay. So one non-negotiable is you need to make it easy for people to unsubscribe. Please don't hide that link. You want people to go if they want to go. They're always welcome back, but like Please don't hide your unsubscribe. That makes for a terrible experience. You're going to get spam complaints. Like just don't. Um, Second thing, I think it's very helpful to put somewhere like how people met you, especially if you haven't like emailed in a while, which happens like don't beat yourself up. The best day to send an email is today. The second best is tomorrow. But -hmm. just like put something in your footer that's like, you know, it, it should be in your brand voice, but it could be something simple as like, I am emailing you because you signed up on my website and put your website on there. And then they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, or you might say like, I'm emailing you because you bought, you bought my, um, ebook, whatever, just remind people like how they got to know you. Cause let's be honest, we all get a lot of emails. And sometimes you're like, why am I hearing from this person? Like, just let them know. Um, but then beyond that, Um, I really like to ask my people what they want to hear more about, right? So sometimes I'll send an email that's like, Hey, um, are you just getting started with email marketing or have you been doing it for a while? And they click which of those preferences describes them, which then lets me say, okay, I'm going to tell the beginners about like how to set up your convert kit, how to set up your lead magnet, like lots of like how to getting started. And the more advanced people are ready for more advanced things. Like how do we make a subscriber journey. And what do we do if, you know, I don't know, what do we do if we send out the wrong thing? Um, and you can kind of personalize based on that and what they tell you about themselves. Yes. And this was something that scared me a little bit that Elaine helped me a lot with was like tagging my list. Yeah. (laughs) Making sure to like put all of my people in their own it's like categories like putting your people in different categories so that was the perfect example like if I'm talking to like beginners on social media I might send something different and if I'm talking about you know a a, an advanced content idea I might send that to my people that have like been around the block for a hot minute Mm-hmm. Or if I'm making one large announcement, I can send that to my whole list. But it's so important that you're able to like filter out people that it wouldn't quite be appropriate for. And I think that that also helps you too to like keep people sticking around because you're really customizing the experience and what you're saying to where they're at. You have to meet your people where they're at. Yes. And I think you can also like, if the tech side is intimidating and you're like, I don't know how to tag and like separate these things, you can also do two different messages in the same email, right? So like I sent an email out today to my entire list because I think it's relevant to everybody about changes coming to Google and Yahoo's inboxes in 2024. Okay, so right at the top though, I was like, if you don't use email marketing, like jump down to this other heading because at the bottom of the email, I gave four ideas of things you can send in November. They could also be blog posts or social media posts or whatever. So if somebody opens the email and they're like, I don't do email marketing, that's fine. There's still something for you in this email. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, if you're starting, you could always be like, hey, you know, this today's email, I'm talking about like your TikTok profile. If you're just getting started, go to this heading. If you've been around the block, jump down to this one. And, you know, people can still get value in that way without you having to figure out the tech if that's a roadblock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as we're on the topic of ConvertKit, um, can you tell us just what you know? I know it's still new, but can you tell us about what is it called? Like the, the creator, creator network, the creator network. Yes, tell us about the creator network. Okay. So this is the, the existence of the creator network is unique to ConvertKit. And it is something I think, especially for small business, like it is amazing. If you're not on ConvertKit, it may even be worth moving for this feature alone. So what the creator network is a way for different. So ConvertKit calls all the people who use their email marketing service creators. So like I'm a creator, Sarah's a creator. Everybody's a creator, even if you don't identify as that outside of ConvertKit land. Um, so you start off by making your creator profile, which is very basic. You know, it's a picture of you, a headline, a little description about your emails that you like to send. And then when you send an email via ConvertKit, you can toggle on a switch that makes it public. And when that happens, it shows up on your creator profile. So it's kind of like having a blog or a landing page of all of your emails that you have public facing. Okay, so that's great. But the real magic of Creator Network is it allows creators to recommend each other. So for example, I don't touch social media, but that's really a key part for a lot of my clients in growing their email list, right? So I am recommending Sarah via Creator Network. So what that means is when somebody comes to me and signs up for my standout intro generator, they put in their info and then my recommendations pop up that are like, hey, I think you might also be interested in Sarah. And so then they can say, oh yeah. And with one click, they join Sarah's list. And same thing. If someone recommends me and people are like, oh, I do want to know more about email marketing. Bing. Um, they can just tap that and then they join my email list. So I love it as a way to just like bring more value to the people. Like we already know they're interested in what I'm talking about. So like, let me share that with other people that are in that same space. Yeah. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have not seen this on like any other email marketing platform. And like, I've had my hand in a bunch of them, whether it was for myself or my clients. And I mean, this is something that like Instagram does. You guys have probably seen it on Instagram where you like follow someone and then it, there's like that quick drop down of like other people that are similar to them that you'd probably enjoy. Facebook does it with suggest suggested friends. Like, Yes. It's an incredible opportunity for business owners uh, on an email marketing platform, which, right? Like, have you mm -hmm. seen it oh, on yeah. other platforms? I have not. And I've gotten, I think, nine new subscribers this week from Creator Network. Now, one thing to know, right, is like the people finding you in Creator Network are cold. They have mm -hmm. just seen you like pop up. So if you go this route, like we can even make a new welcome sequence just for those people that are like, Hey, I saw you found me via creator network. Like here's a little bit more about me. Um, but it's just a great way to get more out there. And, um, you know, if you're sending a proposal to a potential client or something like that, you could link to your creator profile and they could binge your emails as another mm. way of just like showcasing your authority. 
Yes. I didn't even think about that. That's mm -hmm. a really good idea. And I love yeah. that feature of it, how like you can take your best emails or like your most valuable emails and make them public so people can like get a little taste before they make the commitment. joining. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I don't know about you, but I had some emails that like were very popular that have somehow been like lost to time and convert kit. And so making them public is also helpful because then I can go in and be like, oh yeah, there was that thing I sent that was really good. I should turn that into a social post or something. Yes. Okay. One last thing. Yeah. This is something that Elaine and I have talked about before and I'm all about repurposing, but in a way that makes sense and in a way that's purposeful. And that doesn't always mean like slapping the same TikTok onto Instagram as a reel. But Elaine made a really good point about taking a, a really well-performing email and putting it on a platform called Substack. Mm -hmm. Can you get yes. into that a little bit? Yeah. Because this was like totally new to me. And after we talked about it, I went and created a Substack profile. Yes. Yeah. So that's exact. That's like the strategy, right? Is just, you've already, I should back up a second. My like top level content piece is always email. That's where I spend the most of my time. That's where I want to make sure I put the most value. You know, for other people, it might be TikTok, it might be YouTube, whatever. But like, you know, you have your like foundational piece of content. So yeah. I want to get that as many places as I can. So what I've started doing is taking my emails and turning them into blog posts over on Substack just by adding like headings, subheadings, like nothing fancy. And then that's just another place for people to find me, number one. And it's another place where I show up in search. You know, so if a potential client is like creeping around and wanting to get to know more about me, that Substack also shows up like along with my website, everything else. And I didn't have to make anything new. And I took it a step further today and then put it on LinkedIn as an article because Sarah told me I should be on LinkedIn and I'm scared of it. So now I have a LinkedIn article. You guys, if you have been around my sphere for a hot minute, and you've been following me on TikTok. I did a whole LinkedIn experiment and it like wasn't the vibe for me, but I feel like Elaine's people are on there. They are. And so I just give me a try. Yeah. Field college try. All right. Well, Elaine, <laughs> this was fabulous as our conversations always are. Yes. Um, if people want more Elaine in their lives, where can they find you? Yes. And um Tell people a little bit more about the standout intro generator because I'll link it in the show notes. Oh, okay. Um, so I am on social all the places at the Jarden group. And then my standout intro generator is a Google sheet. And so you answer six little prompts, hit enter, and then go to the second page of the Google sheet. And you will get five custom intros that are so much better than your ho-hum I help statement. So there's yes. really like... It's also just a good taste of like how I like to message, you know, different things. And if you're like, yeah, this actually does sound like me, you could be a really good candidate for brand messaging together. Yeah. And that's completely free. I'll mm -hmm. link it in the show notes. And you guys heard us about ditching your boring I help statements. Now you have a solution. So go to the show notes and download it. Um, all right. Thank you so much again. And to everybody listening or watching, thank you so much for being here and I will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cozy Content Corner. If you liked it, please be sure to give the show a follow and leave us a rate and review. 
If anything resonated with you from this episode, please come over to TikTok or Instagram and tell me about it. Until next time, my friend. 